There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. The apocalypse, that ominous-sounding word, makes most people envision a catastrophic end to this world. It brings up images of planetary destruction and a time of great judgments enveloping this planet, bringing this age to a very catastrophic and cataclysmic close. However, the word actually means something very powerful, something very wonderful, and something very positive. You're going to be surprised. Mysteriously, also, it refers not just to one event, but to two separate but simultaneous events that will take place. The apocalypse. It means something much different than you may think it means. Let's dig into it right now. Where do you get the word anyway? Where did it evolve from? What did it evolve from? Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. Let me read it. It starts off, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Where do you find apocalypse in that? It's hidden in the Greek. The first word of that sentence in Greek is apocalypsis, which is translated revelation. See, the real meaning of the word apocalypse is revelation. And the book that is titled the book of the revelation is the book of the apocalypsis. It's the revelation of Jesus. Oh, I know it's surrounded with all of these ominous uh, prophetic words that tell of destructive things that will collide with this planet, things that will envelop the human race in misery in the last days, and that's what people associate the word apocalypse with. However, the dominant theme of the book of Revelation is the coming of the Messiah, and the transformation of the world that will happen simultaneously. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8 says, To you who are troubled, and I know what we see happening in the world, the disintegration of society, the collapse of Western civilization, the contamination of the world where we've gone from being immoral to amoral as a human race. No morals whatsoever, because if you do away with a belief in God and atheism is enshrined, then there's no moral standard to go by, and anything goes. And I know it's troubling. It should be troubling to you, and it certainly is troubling to me when we see also the duplicity and the deception uh, that has gone on the last few years just with the supposed pandemic and everything associated with it. And I'm not going to get 
focused on that, but it's a troubling time. It's a very troubling time. However, the writer Paul, the apostle, said to you who are troubled, rest with us. Don't get frayed in your nerves. Don't get feel crushed mentally and ripped apart emotionally when you see what's coming on the planet because we see beyond the destructive things that are ahead of us. To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. What a day that will be. And he went on to say, in flaming fire. No wonder every eye will see him because the fire of God will surround and consume the planet, not to destroy, but to reconstruct, not to bring it just to a climactic end, but to birth it into a glorious new beginning. So the word revealed there is apocalypsis. Rest with us in anticipation of the apocalypsis, the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it should be a comfort to you, not just envisioning what the future holds for those who are surrendered to him as Savior and Lord, but how he can bring you into a place of contentment, a place of peace, and a place of security right now. That's what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 in the Bible talks about. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the apocalypsis, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What grace is going to be brought to you if you are a believer, if you have been born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, forgiven of your sins, you have a personal relationship with the God of all creation? What grace is going to be brought to you at the apocalypsis, at the revealing, the revelation of Jesus Christ to this world? And what will it be like? Every eye will see him. Those who pierced him will see him. So the glory of God will penetrate all the way down into the underworld, where the souls of those that crucified him are in Hades. Think of that. And this description is very intense. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 14. Let me read it. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Makes war with who? With the Antichrist, the false prophet, the dragon, which is a depiction of Satan, who is the prince of this world, the prince of darkness. All of that false control of this world will collapse at the apocalypsis. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written which no man knows but he himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, the blood of Calvary, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now, that may be metaphorical and figurative. 
It may not literally be horses. And then again, it may be because there are animals in heaven. There definitely are animals in heaven. We find other scriptures that reveal that and imply that, or at least that's my belief. Now, again, I mentioned a few moments ago that certain grace, a certain impartation is going to come to you at the apocalypsis, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, what is that grace? It's the second apocalypsis, because there's actually two. And so you could say it in the plural, two apocalypses. And one is the revelation of Jesus Christ when he comes back again, but the other is the revelation of who the sons and daughters of God are at the resurrection and the glorification of the saints. Let me give you scripture that contains that word, but it's a reference to us and not to him. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 21. I consider that the sufferings of this present time, Paul said, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, I am so thankful. I could almost break down in grateful tears right now. I am so thankful that God brought me out of the false religious beliefs I had as a yoga teacher at four universities running a yoga ashram in Tampa, Florida. I did not understand the close of this age. We had all kinds of apocalyptic ideas of the age coming to a close in all kinds of disastrous and cataclysmic things, even as a yoga teacher. But I didn't have all the puzzle pieces in place until I received Jesus in my heart and until this hope that I'm about to share with you was birthed in me. I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us when the children of God, the born-again, blood-washed children of God are glorified. The Bible said we will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. Think of that. The next verse says, For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. That's the King James Version. And the word translated manifestation is, you guessed it, apocalypsis. That's why other translations say that the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Right now, we're hidden behind the veil of flesh that makes us look like ordinary mortals, ordinary human beings. But if you have been born again, there's something very extraordinary about you. There is a potential in you that is just as drastically different uh, from what you are now, as the oak tree is compared to the acorn that contained it. That hidden life inside of the acorn, when it's buried, will erupt into this spectacular and beautiful tree. And there's something in you, if you're a saved child of God, that will erupt at the coming of the Lord. Now, 
When I was a yoga teacher over 50 years ago, we taught that the second coming of the Lord Jesus, or the second coming of Christ, we didn't call it the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a different connotation to the words. We taught that it would be a mass coming where the Christ nature would be awakened in the entire human race and everyone would come into God consciousness. It would tip the scale and we would move over into the quote unquote age of Aquarius, a time of enlightenment on the planet. That's so close yet so far from the truth because yes, we are coming into a quote unquote new age but it's not the new age that new agers envision. It's the kingdom age. It's the era of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, reigning in Jerusalem. And he's going to have a new government installed. And that's the government of the kingdom of God. The glorified saints of God will be revealed. Apocalypsis. They will be manifested as eternal sons of God. No wonder the rest of the Roman eight passage says this, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. In other words, God allowed this closure, this prison of the five senses and flesh consciousness to control the human race for a season, to reduce us to what we are as human beings without God. God allowed that in hope that he could do something better. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected it in hope. And I love this next verse, because the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. So when you and I are changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, when the dead in Christ rise, and we which are alive and remain are caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and we are absolutely transformed. Metamorpho is the word, which means a total metamorphosis we will become the government of God over the new creation to come, his sons and daughters who will rule and reign with him forever. That's the ultimate apocalypse. That's really what apocalypse means. Not the cataclysmic end of the earth, but the phenomenal and miraculous beginning of a new era. And it's a double apocalypse. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ and the revelation of the sons and daughters of God who will be made in his image. You need a personal apocalypse. You really need, and sometimes it is, it is preceded by disastrous things. It did in my life. What caused me to incline my heart toward God was a near-death experience. When I was 18, I felt my soul leaving my body, going off into the unknown. It was frightening. It was terrible. But it shook me up to the degree where I thought, I've got to start living for things that have greater value. And I dropped out of college with one intention, and that was to search for God until I found him. It took me longer than I anticipated but I found him because Jesus said, seek and you shall find. And so the truth is there if you're passionate enough to go after it. And it's amazing 
who receives this apocalypsis, this revelation of truth? One of the most amazing characters in the New Testament is Paul the Apostle, who was absolutely antagonistic toward Christianity, just like a lot of New Agers I know that think the gospel is absurd and Christianity is too exclusive and people that say Jesus is the only way are narrow-minded. At least you're not as bad as Saul was, later to be known as Paul, because he was behind the murder of some of those who believed in Jesus. He stood there consenting to the death of the first martyr of the church named Stephen as he was pummeled with stones. He cried out, Lord, do not lay this sin at their charge. And that prayer, I believe, was heard by Saul and haunted him. That man who was being stoned to death prayed forgiveness toward him. Maybe that's why, or part of the reason why, not too many days after that, on his way to Damascus to imprison and to murder those who called on the name of Jesus, Saul had this apocalypsis, this revelation of Jesus Christ. But it was a double apocalypsis because not only did Jesus reveal himself to Saul, where he saw this bright light envelop him, and he fell to the ground and said, Who art you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. But there was also a private and personal apocalypsis that took place. Let me read it to you. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, Paul is recounting how the Lord came to him. And he said, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, not just reveal his son to me, but to reveal his son in me. And the word translated reveal is apocalypto, which is a related word. That I might preach him among the Gentiles. He said, When that happened, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remain with him 15 days. Think of that. For three years, he did not confer with any of the disciples who walked with the Lord for three and a half years because he walked with the Lord supernaturally for three years. And then in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, just prior to the verses I read, he said, I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me, and the word gospel means good news, and this is good news. He said, the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation, the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ. So for three years, for a three-year-long period, Paul received this apocalypsis, this revelation that showed him the whole plan of salvation, everything Jesus did when he came into the world and everything it was supposed to accomplish. And he wasn't through after three years because in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, 
Paul went on to say, I will come to revelations of the Lord. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. In other words, God's not through with me yet. I've had three visitations where Jesus has come to me personally. In none of them did I see his features very clearly because the glory was so radiant I couldn't see his features. But I don't believe God's through with me, and I believe that there are revelations, apocalypses yet to come in my future. Not only direct visions of the Lord Jesus, but things he's revealed to me about the last days. And I believe God will do that for you. And in bringing this teaching to a close, I've got to pray the prayer for you. Whether you're saved or unsaved, I pray this prayer for you. Because if you're not saved and born again, it will bring you to that experience. And if you are, it will take you deeper. And it's the prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesian church. He was really praying for them the glory of what happened to him. Listen to it. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15, 16, and 17. He said, Therefore, also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, here's the key verse. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That word revelation, you guessed it, is apocalypsis. So the Holy Spirit himself bears the name, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of apocalypsis. And I pray the spirit of apocalypsis, the spirit of revelation into your life where Jesus will reveal himself to you. He did the day he brought me into the kingdom. It was a series of synchronistic events that had to be God. It had to be God. And if you've never heard my story, go to the truelight.net and look it up. It's there in written form. It's there in videos. It was amazing how step by step God revealed himself to me. And finally, I have just two more scriptures I want to share with you. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. When I was a new ager, I didn't think the Bible was logical. I thought there were so many things about it I could not receive, and I didn't believe it was revealed by God. I thought it was ideas of man, and they were all forged together into one book with 40 writers. But now I know it's an inspired book. And Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. And then the next verse, he said, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. That's the word, apocalypto, the related word. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed. From faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. How does the gospel reveal the righteousness of God? It reveals how you and I can become righteous in the sight of God. I thought it would be through years, decades of meditation and yoga and following the Eastern path. I didn't know in a moment's time when I received Jesus into my heart and I was spiritually reborn 
that the righteousness of God would be imparted to me. All my sins would be blotted out, and I would appear in the sight of God as righteous as Jesus, the firstborn son. That's the miracle of the gospel, and that is something the gospel reveals. Now, my final scripture I want to share with you, Romans 16, 25 through 27. Now, to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. And if you've got an unstable life, I hope you get stabilized through the gospel. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation, the apocalypsis of the mystery, the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. Do you realize how privileged we are to know this mystery that's been secreted before the world began? It was a secret contained within the heart of God. But now this revelation, this apocalypsis has come to you and to me. It's now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known unto all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever and amen. I hope and pray this has been an apocalypsis for you. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shreve's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.